My friend Amanda Jete Knox has had a lot of change in the last few years of her life. Change that not only impacted her personal life, but change that affected her career path. As she started to devote more and more of her time to advocacy work, she would talk about how she was choosing what was important to her over making money. In time, she understood that she needed to shift her belief that she couldn't make a living doing this work of the heart. And that's what we talk about in today's episode of the Biz Podcast. Welcome to the Biz Podcast, where we're going to talk about running a business you love while still having the life you want. I'm Lara Wellman, and together we're going to talk about dreams, goals, and strategies, but even more importantly, mindset, boundaries, breaking the rules, and getting out of your own way. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. I am going to start out by having you tell everybody who you are and what you do. Great. Okay. Well, my name is Amanda Jete Knox. I am a writer, speaker, and LGBTQ advocate. And you and I have known each other for a while. And so I was really excited to have you on the podcast to talk about some of your journey and some of the things that you were thinking a while back and how it's shifted over time. You do a lot of advocacy work. You do a lot of work that you really love doing, writing. And you and I have had a lot of conversations over the years about what you can do or how that works in terms of making money. Right. I thought for a long time that this was not something you could make money at. And I think you were the first person to sit me down and say, hey, listen, you might be wrong about that. (laughs) Let's talk. And I didn't believe you, but I figured there was lunch involved so we could go have lunch at least. And then I could go home and still have those old beliefs. Right. Lunch, beliefs that don't suit me. I'm all good. Exactly. (laughs) And that was an important one for me because I know you have done a lot of work talking about a lot of important topics, but you would even say, right, I would see you online. You would say, there's no money to be made in this work, but it's really important to me. So you would say this. And then I was finally like, Amanda, let's chat. I'm so glad that you actually called me on that. A lot has changed since then. But yeah, I I used to really believe, um, well, maybe I should step back a little bit. So I have four kids and I'm married. Uh, A few years ago, I thought I had only sons and a husband and I was wrong. In 2014, my daughter came out and told us that she was trans and that she needed to live as a girl. So that was a big learning curve for me. And the following year, my spouse of then 18 years came out to me as well and said, I'm actually a woman. And so trans issues and LGBTQ issues in general became really important to me because my family's safety and well-being relies very much on people understanding and accepting and embracing LGBTQ people. But I really didn't think that this was something that was going to make a lot of money, which is fine. You know, to me, advocacy work, I was so passionate about it anyway that it didn't matter to me for a long time. The problem was that as my platform grew and as our family story grew, it overtook my life. And I was basically working for nothing telling this story. And 
any other types of jobs that I did took away from the important work that I wanted to be doing. And this is something that a lot of advocates deal with. Uh, A lot of artists deal with this too, saying, you know, I can't make money off of my art. I can't make money off of my writing. I can't make money doing what I love. And I challenge that too now. I have learned to challenge that. It may not make you rich, but a lot of people can actually at least make something off of giving of themselves. Yeah. I mean, you had a platform before you even started being an advocate for trans rights and LGBTQ rights and all of that. You were writing, you had a platform, you had an audience, but I remember this, right? Having followed you from way before any of this came out, just always enjoying your blog, that it took over a lot. And if you can't make enough money to feel comfortable in your life, then in the end, you have to figure out whether or not you can make money doing the advocacy work or you have to go get another job, right? Like it becomes one or the other. And a lot of people feel like they have to not make money doing something that feels good or that feels important because there's no correlation between those two things. But there are a lot of people who will pay to hear your voice and making money when there is money is not a bad thing, but it sort of becomes a belief dissonance in your brain. Like I'm not supposed to be able to make money. I'm just trying to do good and those things don't go together. Well, and the other thing too, I think is when you're working to lift up a marginalized group, it's really important not to speak for that group. And it's also really important not to take money away from that group, right? So I have to walk this really fine line between being able to support my family and also not take money away from trans and non-binary people. So what I try to do in my work is whenever there's an opportunity to have a trans person come and tell their story, to share their work in any way, I always try and amplify those voices. I either bring them along. Sometimes if it's a better fit, I try and get that person in there as well. But it is a big field. All stories need to be told, right? In advocacy work, there's a lot of intersectionality too. Like I'm a queer person and I also have a trans child. So I can tell my story as a queer person. I can give trainings. I can do that sort of thing. I can also talk about having a trans child and what that looks like. The thing with what you talk about is that it's not even just the advocacy work, right? A lot of it is about self-acceptance. It's about looking inward. This is a journey you have also taken. And so you get to talk about that in large, broad ways beyond just one community or one marginalized group, you have a lot to say that people want to hear about that journey too. Definitely. It's not really just about having trans people in my family. It is about growth. It's about learning to do better as a human being. It's about learning to accept yourself, learning to own your mistakes and grow from them as opposed to getting really defensive and shutting down. For me, it's been a journey on learning to manage my mental health because my job is a pretty high stress, I would say, compared to a lot of other things I could be doing. I've had to learn to deal with that. So there's so much involved. Body image. I mean, I could just go on. It is really about, it's about acceptance. And I think that's what people want to hear. And one thing I've learned about my book, I've had you know now thousands of people reading my book. And what I hear more than anything is that It's a book where you don't have to be living the same situation that my family is living to be able to relate to it. That's sort of the beauty of sharing our stories. Sharing our stories means that people can take little nuggets here and there and bring them into their lives. So I'm a storyteller as much as anything. 
Absolutely. And you tell stories beautifully. So your book, which I've read and many of the people I know have read, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes, tells your family story. People feel connected. People learn. People understand more about how to step into the world. And I know that's a lot of what your work has done for me is I have learned what I didn't know and learned what I needed to learn. Yeah. That's what you do for people. And people really love hearing the way you tell it. And so they soak it all in. That's what I hope. That was always my hope writing the book. It's always been my hope in all the work I do that I just have people being able to relate to it on their own level and take whatever they need to take away into their lives. And you never know what's going to stay with you. I mean, that's sort of the beauty of writing and speaking is that somebody can hear you and then two years later, something happens in their own lives. One of their children comes out or they're working in a school and somebody comes out there or whatever it is and they go, oh, I think I know what to do. I think I kind of remember this, right? Or they're dealing with a big change in their life. It may not be at all the types of changes that my family has gone through, but going through those changes, they think, oh, okay, so I read a book about change. I know what to do now, right? I know I can get through this. And that building, that cultivating resiliency is a really wonderful thing for us all to have. And being able to buy my family groceries while I do all this work is really rewarding. One of the things that a lot of people may not know about me is that for a long time, I didn't believe in myself, like period. I didn't think that I had anything of value to offer the world. I became a mom at a really young age. I dropped out of high school and I unsuccessfully tried to go to university. I unsuccessfully tried to go to college. Life just wasn't really set up for me to do those things at the time. I really thought that my one contribution to the world, and there's nothing wrong with this because it by far is my greatest contribution to the world, I believe, was parenting my children. I thought that's what I had to offer and not much more. And that was heartbreaking to me because when I was growing up, I always had these ideas that, you know, I was going to do something. I was going to help people. I was going to help people outside of my own little bubble. You know, I was going to make a difference and seeing an opportunity where I could make a difference and still keep the lights on is a really wonderful thing. (laughs) I'm a high school graduate. Finally, I graduated at age 38 but with honors and with the English award. Thank you very much. And I like to tell people that because I think that people need to hear that we don't have to take one path to success. We don't have to take the standard route. The standard route doesn't work for a lot of us. We either don't have the opportunities or maybe we have something standing in our way in terms of, you know, there may be learning disabilities that make it harder. There may be financial situations that make it harder. I mean, life can throw so much at you or maybe just the typical path of going to school and getting degrees and whatever it might be is just not something that brings you any kind of happiness or joy, but you still want to do something with yourself. So don't get me wrong. I would love to get a degree at some point in my life. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I do feel successful now. Which is amazing, right? Because I mean, you're singing my language here. One is we don't all take the same path to the same place. Another thing that you've said there is acknowledging that sometimes things don't happen in the same order you think, and it's not too late. Sometimes I think we get stuck in this idea, like I'm 40 something, it's too late for me to change now. No, it's not. We can do all of this stuff whenever it's the right time or whenever we're ready and it's all good. I became a best-selling author at age 42, and that was also my first published book. 
right? I think that if I had told myself that it was too late, if I kept singing that tune, because I did for a long time, one of my beliefs was I'm too old to do this now. You know, I have carved my path out in life and now I'm going to have to make the best out of that. And I don't mean make the best in a really positive way. I really thought that making the best meant, you know, just kind of accepting it. And I wanted to leave the world a better place than when I came into it. I think that's a goal for a lot of people. And it doesn't have to be in the form of writing a book, right? It can, it can be anything. But giving up on yourself and thinking that I'm never going to accomplish anything because of this and this and this and this, it's just a story that we are telling ourselves that has no value. And what does have value is us. We have value, right? But we have to believe that. We have to pull it out of ourselves. Or maybe someone needs to invite us out to lunch one day to talk about how we're worth more than we think we are. But however it needs to happen, I'm so glad it happened to me. And I know it can happen to other people. I see it all the time. I hope that somebody listening to this is going to remember that they have worth too. And that's not too late to achieve your dreams. 100%. It's not too late. And you are impacting many, many people. And let's bring it to the idea now that you do make money doing some of this, right? And it's not always the way you thought it would be but that it's happening and that you can buy those groceries and that you can make money without it feeling yucky in some way because you're stepping on somebody else. Absolutely. You know, I think it's a matter of having this mentality that we can all rise up together, that we can all bring each other up. And I take that with me everywhere. So that's how I do business. That's how I interact with people. That's how I give talks And yeah, you know, I think there's this idea that somebody has a best-selling book that they're automatically rich and they're making all this revenue. Well, (laughs) I have some really bad news for you. (laughs) Books are not a great moneymaker in and of themselves, right? Like having a book is a great accomplishment. I wrote it because I felt like I had a story to tell, that my family had a story to tell and everyone wanted me to write it. They were really excited about it. They helped me with all the tricky parts in the book so we could tell all our stories together. That book is a bestseller. It was on the bestseller list for like two months. It will probably never be a massive moneymaker of a book regardless because books, unless you're Margaret Atwood or Stephen King, you're probably not making millions of dollars off of them. But books open up other opportunities. You can speak. You can command more for speaking. You can launch other platforms. You can tell your story in different ways. They can lead to other books. They can lead to teaching opportunities. There's so many ways that you can use authorship to build up your own platform and your own career. I think that if I were to give anyone advice though, it's like, don't write a book just to build your brand. I think that it's disingenuous and I think that it's going to show in your work. You have to have passion for what you're talking about. So if the side bonus is that it does raise your cred a bit, that's awesome. Like that's a fantastic thing. But when readers read your book, they want to feel that you put your heart into it. So put your heart into it. And anything else that comes out of that is just a bonus. Right. And so now you're doing that, right? You have speaking engagements. People are paying you for that. You are making money. And that's amazing. It is amazing. I know. And it finally feels good. It took a long time for me to feel like this is something that I should do and I should just push through. There's so many times too where I was like, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe I should go get a real job and I'm using air quotes here, right? 
and my wife would say, this is a real job. What you're doing is a real job. And somebody else who I won't name on this podcast that I went out for lunch with <laughs> said, this is a real job. You are doing it right now. Always have someone on your, you know, on your team, always have like two or three or more people that will just pick you up because it can be hard sometimes to get there, but it feels really good to get there. So I hope everybody can. And I think that's key though. We all have that little voice inside our head telling us we're not good enough. Like, I mean, it would be great if we could all just squash it and it didn't exist, but really the truth is we all have it. And so we need to number one, acknowledge that it's there and that it's not telling the truth. Number two, know how to come out of it instead of like old me, certainly listen to that voice a lot more and a lot longer than she does now. And now when the voice tells me I'm not good enough, I can usually come out from behind that a lot faster, but also having people around you to support you. Like we can't do everything from within our own heads that just doesn't work well. I think mindfulness is really good for that too. Like acknowledging that the voice is there. I will actually sit with that sometimes and be like, okay, get it all out now. Go right ahead. Tell me I can't do it. Tell me I'm too small. Tell me I'm not worthy. Tell me I'm a fraud. Go ahead. Okay. You got it out of your system. Great. Okay. We're going to shelve that now. And now I'm going to get to work. And that has served me so well in this job as well, because I get a lot of hate online. You can't do this type of work without getting a lot of hate. And so being able to manage my own voice means that it doesn't feed off of that hate. And I'm able to let it go and go, that is somebody else's. That's not mine. It does not take away from my value. I think that that can happen in any type of job, anywhere. It just happens more perhaps directly in mine. <laughs> Definitely. You put yourself out there in a big way and that means you get all kinds of feedback. But I hope you also feel the love and appreciation from a lot of the people around you too. I get easily 10 times more love online than I get hate. And I get a lot of people that I know in my personal life who make sure to tell me all the time that they care about me and that they love me and that they're here for me and that the work I do is really important. And I believe to my core that it is. And this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Because even on my worst days where I am feeling really low about things, because I still get there, sometimes we're human, right? And there are some days where I just crawl into a hole and I just put my weighted blanket on and I'm just, you know, binge watching Netflix and I'm not doing any work. And even on those days, I know I'm going to get back up again. And I know I'm going to do this again. I can't imagine not doing it. It feels too important. And the fact that I'm in a position to be able to do it because it does pay the bills is it just makes it so much better. And that was one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the podcast. One, just reminding everybody that even when things are going really well, you still have some days where they don't feel so great, but you come back up from it. And the other one is that you did it. You wrote your book. It was a bestseller. People want to hire you to speak. It is paying the bills. And I think it's an amazing success story and you have lots more to come. And I really appreciate that you took the time to come chat with me today. Well, I'm really glad you invited me and, uh, and thank you so much. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed the show, I hope you subscribe, share with friends or leave a review online and come hang out with us in my free Facebook group, the Biz Studio Community. Until then, I hope to see you online.